Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow the podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, a healthy, tasty, and sweet alternative to your usual dry, crusty protein bars. With well over a dozen flavors to choose from, the soft interior, great flavor, and healthy balance of calories, protein, and fat makes it an ideal alternative to your usual desiccated old corpses of the protein bars you've been chowing down on. Locked On listeners can enjoy a wonderful, special $10 off promo code Locked On when you place your first order at BuiltBar.com. Again, that is promo code Locked On for $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. On tonight's episode, we're going to be continuing our What If series of NHL injury drafts where the Jets have a chance to perhaps rewrite history. But before that, I thought it would be cool to talk about the fact that hockey is indeed confirmed to be coming back pretty soon. The NHL has ruled in favor of the 24 playoff team structure, which I believe the NHL Players Association voted on last night. So yes, hockey is coming back. That's cool. I'm cool with it. Um, But the, the thing that I was kind of bothered by was... After Bettman said uh, about a week ago that extensive testing would need to be done to confirm everything before they relaunch, then you got a weird statement, I think it was yesterday, where he says, you know, if they have two positive cases, that's not going to stop them, and they're not really going to force teams to self-quarantine, even if those players that test positive come from the same team. I know that what he probably means is that, you know, a couple of positive cases doesn't mean the league is going to immediately shut down. But I think the the phrasing and and potentially the implications of what he was saying are all very, very bad. I think if you want to prove to the world that you actually are serious about preventing the spread of COVID and committing to your player safety, especially after the NHLPA just voted in favor of this new 24 playoff team structure, then to come out and say that I think is a little absurd. I I feel like it just paints the NHL as a big bad and it, it really does a disservice to the whole process that they've been going through. Hopefully, Bettman wasn't serious about not doing the whole self-quarantine thing. I I think that if you have even one positive case from a team, you've got to have that team try to isolate as much as possible. I know that people will say, yes, yes, you can't live in fear and that would be inconvenient, but I think you have to understand that COVID isn't like the flu and the stuff that it's doing to people is just absolutely horrific. People have permanent long-standing lung damage after, you know, going through the recovery process. If that process takes several weeks of healing and rehab, I mean, that's just devastating for a player's career. And potentially, you know, we don't, we haven't been around with COVID long enough to really know if the impacts last beyond just a few weeks, months, who knows how long um, some of this lung damage and stuff could go for. And that's nothing to say of the cardiac pressures that, you know, this this whole virus seems to put people into overdrive with. Uh, You know, some of the EKGs that have come back have been absolutely insane. So, I think the NHL really needs to be careful, especially with these pro athletes. While they may be in peak conditioning, a lot of that training puts excess uh, stress on your body and exerts you far more than the average ordinary person. So if you introduce something that puts your system to overdrive, who knows if those athletes are going to actually be worse off than the average person. I've said my piece about the NHL relaunch. You know how I feel about it. So I'm going to just leave it at that and kind of keep it, you know, what it is. I think that we all are on the same page for the most part. And I I kind of have said enough about it. So let's just all hope that everything goes off without a a hitch and hope that the Jets get this right. Same for the rest of the NHL, really. All right. In our last episode, we did a redraft of the 2014 NHL entry draft. And this time, we get the fun, fun process of doing that same thing, but for 2014, where Winnipeg had a couple of major uh, and franchise-defining picks. 
Round one is one of the hardest ones to talk about because there's a decent chance that you could have an argument for not taking who Winnipeg took. But I think at the end of the day, I have to stick with our boy Nikolai Ehlers. This first round had a ton of top-end talent, and Ehlers went at number 9 overall behind uh, Hayden Fleury, Jake Vertanen, Michael Dow Cole, Sam Bennett, Leon Dreisaitl, Sam Reinhardt, Aaron Ekblad, and Willie Nylander. And you know what? Ehlers is better than almost every single player on that list, except for maybe Nylander and Dreisaitl, but I, I still think Ehlers is at least better than Dreisaitl. I think if you have any sort of argument against drafting somebody else from this, you know, first 60 picks, the only person that I would maybe think about it, maybe, uh, would be somebody like, you know, Jakob Vrana or or Travis Sanheim, maybe even David Pasternak. I think Pasternak would probably be one of the clear front runners here, but I think Ehlers is so good and is so important to the way that the, the Jets like to play in transition play. I just don't see how you could turn away from what Ehlers does. I mean, he's probably one of the true best wingers in the NHL, and what he does for transition play, for your PK, for your power play, there's just no one on Winnipeg's roster quite like him. And really, in the NHL, his breed of player is extremely rare. You don't find many wingers who are so exceptionally talented and good at both skating, uh, kind of setting up build-up play in the offensive zone, transitioning play between multiple zones on the ice, and just being an all-around offensive threat. Ehlers really does it all, and if you ask him to play on the PK, he can use his speed to burn past defenders for shorthanded opportunities and really just keep the puck away from his own goal. The argument for Pasternak is that Pasternak, of course, is one of the most prolific goal scorers and offensive threats in the NHL, and I think that that is a fair question to ask about whether or not someone like Pasternak would go ahead of Ehlers. In my opinion, I think most teams would actually do that just because Pasternak puts up so many points uh, for his team. But I, I think if I have to choose between the two, I think it's really difficult because I, I think that what Ehlers does is really hard to find. But I also have a really hard time saying no to just how prolific Pasternak is. That said, for this redraft, I, I think I'm going to stick with keeping Ehlers in Winnipeg. I think that he's just too good and provides too much cumulative offensive value and all situations value for what the Jets need. I probably sound absolutely insane for that, because like Ehlers in 307 career games has 221 points, and uh, Pasternak has, in 390 games, 379 points. You know, points are in some cases a bit overrated in the NHL, but it's really hard to overrate somebody who's very nearly a point-per-game player, even if there's a certain percentage of it that's at uh, power play and, and other odd man situations. But I feel like you you kind of have to stick for, for what the Jets need. Ehlers is the right pick. I think that what Nick does, no one on Winnipeg's roster can really replace, and even Pasternak would struggle to do the same kind of plays that, uh, that Ehlers brings for Winnipeg. Unlike Nikolai Ehlers, you can actually replace something in your daily lifestyle. If you like to work out a lot, which before, uh, you know, quarantine, we were obviously a lot of us running around, going to the gym, having pretty active lifestyles, all of that's, of course, stopped. So that means that we have to change our own eating habits and stuff. And maybe you're a bit tired of those protein bars that you scarf down for snacks, for breakfast, who, who knows what you're eating them for. I'm sure some of you even like them for dessert because some of them are sweet and some of them are like candy bars and they're actually not that bad for you. They have a lot of daily sustenance and all that stuff. But, you know, a lot of them are dry and boring. And if you're looking for something that's a bit of a change of pace, I'd recommend Built Bar. 
Built Bar is like a chocolate bar with a soft, chewy interior, multiple flavors that are actually nut-free if you have uh, any sort of nut allergens. And they've actually just added four brand new flavors, including peanut butter banana, pineapple upside down cake, coconut pecan pie, and blueberry lemon. Most of these bars clock in at well under 150 calories. Uh, they have maybe four and a half grams of fat on the high end, and they bring around 30% of your daily protein value, which is just absolutely nuts. They taste good and they're good for you, which is a pretty rare combo for protein bars. You usually have to sacrifice taste when you need something a little bit leaner. Right now, you can also get $10 off your first order using promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. But additionally, between May 25th and May 31st, you get $5 off every box of bars, and that includes the additional $10 discount. So combine your offers from the Memorial Day weekend, head on over to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order, and be sure to check out any other order for an additional $5 off. All right, well, Winnipeg didn't actually have a second-round pick in 2014, but they had a third-round pick, and this one is going to be interesting because they chose Jack Glover, and Glover, for obvious reasons, has never really panned out as a prospect within Winnipeg's system. What's really crazy about this draft is just how much talent there was outside of the first round. I mean, usually, you know, you saw 2013, and 2013 was like, eh, it was an okay draft, but it definitely doesn't have anywhere near the kind of talent hiding in the later rounds as that, uh, that last one did. So who would the Jets have had an opportunity to take if they had gone with somebody else? And holy cow, man, Winnipeg could have had a shot at Braden Point. I just kind of want to put it out there that Braden Point for me is one of the most amazing centers that I've ever seen in the NHL. I mean, this kid is just unbelievably game-breaking. He's a game-changing talent. He can captain your team as a first-line center, or if you've already got an elite first-line center, just drop him to the second line. I mean, how can you go wrong there? If Winnipeg had elected to take point, they would have been living large for the rest of their franchise history. I mean, this dude is, and like Pasternak, another point-per-game player, basically, and truly one of the best game-breaking, high-end offensive Cs you'll see in this league. Winnipeg's entire structure down the middle probably would have changed because Point would have been easily our second best center behind Mark Shifley during Shifley's prime, which you can say that Shifley's probably still in his prime now, but maybe not quite as good as he used to be. Point, though, continues to fire on all four cylinders, and this guy, I mean, he would easily be one of the most dominant presences in this team. And really, if you have a line like... uh, Ehlers, Point, and somebody like Line. I mean, that, that line is just going to do so much damage. Winnipeg might have actually been closer to a cup if Point was a part of that team during 2017-18. I also wonder if you have a situation where because Point is so good, and because he needs a very big contract extension, that Wheeler's deal might not have been signed in the same situation. So, I think that point really would have redefined this team's dynamic, and uh, we definitely would not have been hurting for top-end centers like we are right now. I mean, with with Brian Little out for probably a long time, if not the rest of his career, we're basically down to Mark Shifley and a bunch of middle six to depth, uh, depth bottom six centers. Point could have been our lead guy, but unfortunately that didn't happen, so we're going to have to just settle for the fact that, you know, a lot of teams ended up swinging and missing on Braden Point, not really knowing what they uh, they could have had in him. And Tampa Bay continues to get richer, man. They have some amazing scouts. For as frustrating as the Glover pick was, I think it even hurts more when you consider that in the fourth round, the Jets again had opportunities to get some really good NHL talent. And with picks 99 and 101, we got Chase DeLeo and Nelson Ogier. Now, I did have hope for Chase DeLeo, but that obviously didn't pan out, and he's not even with the Jets anymore. 
Noje is what he is. I mean, he's a, I guess a, a, a third pairing defenseman at the AHL level. I don't really know what he's doing these days, but you know, nothing too special. I think that we kind of know what his ceiling is and it's whatever. It's fine. But, you know, at, at pick 99, I think you easily have to say Victor Arvidsson, uh, who ended up going to Nashville for really a fourth-round pick, man. Victor frickin' Arvidsson, dude. 214 points in 335 career games. That's absurd, man. I mean, that's that's obviously not quite as much value as, like, I think Braden Point's probably the better player for me. But still, man, just a fantastic player. Um, one of the best attacking wingers in the league. Also very good at driving play. For me, I think that he easily takes that that pick. I mean, especially with the kind of players that are left on the board, you know, this guy is is very much a game changing player and somebody who I would say Winnipeg should have bent over backwards to pick up. There is another name for pick one hundred one that I was thinking of, but I think he's so far down the list that we can kind of get away and say that people weren't really thinking about him that highly. So the next pick I might have gone with is uh, Danton Heinen. I think Heinen's a very good two-way player and somebody that the Jets really could have used in their bottom six. He actually has pretty respectable offensive chops, and he's averaged around a half a point per game throughout his career, which is not bad at all, and somebody who I think you could easily point to and say a very effective two-way depth player with some decent scoring upside, like a decent third liner. Depending on which season you look at, Heinen has had a massively uh, positive impact on shot differential on whatever line he's been playing, so... I think that that's somebody that you bring in. I think if you use him as an offensive winger with some defensive prowess, you're going to be very, very happy. It's just, it's absolutely baffling how so many great, and I mean great, great, great names, were well past round three and round four. Um, We haven't even gotten to some of my favorite players in this draft yet, and we'll get there pretty soon, though. Arvidsson and Heinen. Winnipeg, again, would have been set for years with that top six. They could have had so many amazing forwards. And it's really amazing how much the Jets kind of whiffed on this draft, which it seems like a lot of teams actually did. But again, Tampa Bay, uh, it looks like Boston, all these teams knew something about these players, even Nashville getting Arvidsson. They all had much better scouting in this draft than the Jets did. But you know what? We got Ehlers, so I, I'm going to try and keep it as positive as possible, even though in my heart I'm kind of dying a little bit. Winnipeg's got a few picks left, and at round 5, 129th overall, I might actually go pretty far back into the bottom rounds of the draft and pluck Andre Kasha. I think this is the time when I want to take him. Even though he was actually around for later, I think that now would be a good time to bring in one of the NHL's best like offensive play-driving wingers. Kasha kind of got buried with the Ducks, but he was very clearly one of their most prolific offensive talents, and somebody who... You really could trust in all situations to be a really dominant offensive winger. I think that he does so much for what Anaheim's attack needed and was also a very good special teams player. He has some shutdown properties in his defensive game because he's a very smart, very high IQ player. And even though like his Boston tenure thus far has been okay, if not amazingly outstanding, I think that you could easily picture him going uh, onto much greater things with the Bruins going forward. He would have been in in a similar class of player as someone like Ehlers, although I think he lacks maybe some of the same finesse and and obviously the high-end skill that that Ehlers has is really a rare trait. That said, he's exactly the kind of player the Jets need in their top six, and it's a shame that when he was available for trade uh, earlier this year that the Jets weren't able to get a deal done for him because he would have been an immediate improvement for this team. 
another winger that the Jets really could have had in round six at 164th overall, man, they could have had Kevin LeBanc, and I, I would have been absolutely thrilled if they had gotten somebody like him. LeBanc is, is obviously one of uh, San Jose's best of offensive wingers, and I can't believe he took, like, what, a, a million, a million and a half deal? That dude just seems to have a dangerous nose for the net, and every time he's on the ice, really good offensive things happen for the Sharks, and he's somebody, again, who I think the Jets would have been thrilled with because of his ability to create from uh, very little. Every time I watch him, I don't really feel like there's that that high-end elite franchise-defining talent, but he's just really good at everything, and I feel like that makes him a very valuable player. No matter what, he just seems to continue to produce at such a high level, and I mean, he's got 149 points in 284 games for the Sharks, which is very, very good production. He's basically bounced up and down the lineup all throughout his career, but now that the Sharks know that he's this good, he started getting more ice time. I think because his game doesn't really lend itself to having an amazingly artful look to it, I feel like he tends to get a little bit overlooked as being as good of a uh, offensive challenge as he is. But man, this guy just keeps plugging away and producing no matter what situation you put him in. I, I feel like he's somebody that you have to keep your eye on, and I would have been thrilled if the Jets had gotten him, especially at, you know, 164 overall. Winnipeg did have one more pick after this, and uh, I don't really know, you know, who else the Jets could have gotten. I guess they could have tried for, like, I don't know, Axel Holmstrom or something. There was basically no one left, so they got Matt Ustotsky, but I don't really think that that's all that interesting to me. Now, I did take uh, Andre Kasha a little bit high compared to what you could have had him for, but I just think that Kasha is somebody who... You really can't have sitting on the board if he's available, especially this late in the draft. I would have thought that the second or third round was already too late to take him. One of the other curious draft picks out of this final round, though, is actually uh, Victor Olofsson, who had a monster rookie season for Buffalo. Although Olofsson is also on the older side, so I don't really think that he's actually like a prospect prospect, but he was uh, 46 points in 60 games. Now, there are some questions as to whether or not that that production is actually something that's repeatable for him, because I think he did have a pretty high shooting percentage, and his underlying numbers didn't look like the kind that you would think he could repeat next season. Buffalo is a pretty bad team, so I still think that that production is impressive relative to what you'd expect, but, you know, well, I guess I really can't complain, because it was a seventh round pick, and I mean, I know that people say that it doesn't matter necessarily where you get him, you know, that that doesn't define the pick's value. But I think in this case, I, I would say that it's a very good use of that asset and a very good pick. You get a lot of value for a seventh round uh, draft pick that gives you something you really couldn't have imagined turning into such a productive NHL prospect. So I would say that in that case, Buffalo definitely made out like a bandit. Well, the Jets kind of really, you know, didn't really get a whole lot here. Looking back over this entire draft is a little bit depressing for Winnipeg because they had a ton of opportunities to get some really high-end talents, and the best that they got was Nikolai Ehlers. Everyone else basically hasn't really made the NHL unstuck, which is kind of amazing to think. Also a little bit depressing again, not not the most uh, positive of notes. If the Jets had redrafted knowing what they know now, I mean, obviously things would have been very different because most of the players I named would not be available where they are now, or where they were taken at least, and where the Jets had picks, but... Winnipeg might have still come out a little bit more uh, NHL-friendly than their actual picks were this season because, holy cow, man, they got one NHLer out of, how many is it, like six picks? 
I just think it says a lot about where their draft uh, draft scouting was at this point. And it, obviously, most of these teams don't get too too many NHLers out of the bottom rounds, but almost all of the uh, the first round picks and a lot of the first four rounds have actually made the NHL. Even round five has like seven or eight guys that have had at least a cup of tea at the NHL level, if not more than that. It is a bit sucky that the Jets could not get more out of that uh, that draft than they did, but you know you can't really make up for lost time. Every you know hindsight's twenty twenty, and the Jets sort of didn't have as sophisticated of a, a scouting unit as it did now. But you know what can you do? No use crying over spilled milk. And with that, folks, that'll conclude tonight's episode. On our next episode, we're going to be doing the same thing, but taking a look at the 2015 NHL entry draft and seeing if we can find any hot takes to uh, suss out of that. Before you log off for the night, be sure to listen to our Locked On NHL National podcast, hosted by Sarah Avampado. She's a great host and has a ton of information and updates from around the league. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!